This is episode 33 of the No Limits podcast. Welcome back. The podcast is brought to you by Tangle Free Waterfowl. You work hard all year anticipating the small window of time you get to spend in the blind. How disappointing is it to get to that point to only have your gear fail? Guys, you should never tolerate gear failure. We only get to do this 60 days a year, maybe a little more. Tangle Free delivers gear that functions exactly as it's designed to every time, year after year. I always say, don't waste your hard-earned time and money on gear that only lasts a year or two. Head over to TangleFree.com for panel blinds, layout blinds, decoys, and accessories. And because you are a valuable No Limits subscriber, you'll get free shipping on your entire order. You guys are loading up, stocking up, hunting seasons here. You know you're going to be buying a bunch of stuff that's expensive to ship. Just enter the code PASSION at checkout, P-A-S-S-I-O-N, and you get free shipping. Think about how much you can save on bulky, expensive-to-ship items like blinds and decoys. Tanglefree.com, promo code PASSION at checkout for free shipping, tanglefree.com. We would like to welcome a brand new sponsor to the To Passionate Pursuit and the No Limits podcast, Traeger Grills. Traeger is the original wood fire grill. Why do we love it? And I mean love our Traeger grills. First is the most important, and that's taste. Pure hardwood is the fuel for Traeger's signature flavor. Barbecue enthusiasts agree that wood fire flavor simply tastes better than charcoal or gas. Uh, Real wood, real flavor every time. The other reason we love it is versatility. Traeger's six-in-one versatility allows us to cook hot and fast or low and slow from baby back ribs to wood-fired pizza, smoky mac and cheese, and even homemade apple pie on the grill. Anything we can cook in our head, we can cook on our Traeger. Third, ease. Traeger's ease of use and simple controls lets us focus on what matters the most, our food, our family, and our friends. The digitally controlled convection heating system simplifies wood-fired cooking, allowing for easy temperature settings, just like our oven. And I love the app. I can control the cooking temperature, watch the internal temperature, whatever it is I got on the grill, set sauce timers, and access hundreds of recipes. And once I find the recipe that I want, I literally press cook, and everything else is done by the app. I love it. And then the final thing is consistency. Consistent temperature gives us consistent results, meaning we can craft food rather than worrying about a fire. I used to have a a big iron horizontal and vertical smoker with the you know the wood box, the fire box on one side, um, and it it worked great. But if I was going to do a brisket and I had to keep a consistent temperature, I, that means I would have to sit there and watch the temperature every 35 to 45 minutes for nine hours. And I, I never got consistent results. Traeger manages the temperature for us, cutting out a major variable and achieving consistent results. We can master our brisket recipe, champion a whole roasted chicken, and cook with confidence knowing that we can replicate perfect results again and again. So head over to TraegerGrills.com for pellet grills, accessories, recipes, Really cool lifestyle videos. You're going to see some of ours on there very, very soon. And even sign up for a free class. Check this out. Each Traeger shop class is taught by an award-winning pitmaster and provides detailed interactive instructions and tips and tricks of the trade to take your barbecue skills to the next level. Bask in barbecue greatness while you feast on mouth-watering 
samples, take notes in your barbecue manual, and even score some special shop class swag to take home. Folks, we love Traeger Grills. We know you will too. Go to TraegerGrills.com today. TraegerGrills.com. The podcast is also brought to you by Revelation Outdoors Waterfowl Ministry. The Revelation Outdoors mission is to help spread the gospel of Christ through waterfowl hunting. We leverage several several different mediums or delivery methods to do that, either through our social media pages and our Passion of Pursuit short film series that's produced by Revelation Outdoors and Motion Culture Media. We are also in the final stages of releasing a video-based men's small group study also that will combine video presentations with some of our team. Uh, it will combine that with some of our best duck hunting episodes and an easy-to-follow leader's guide. If you can follow an outline and watch a video, you can lead a group, a small group of your duck hunting buddies through a study of God's Word. And then finally, our favorite way to share the way we experience Jesus and waterfowling is through live presentations, either at men's events, wild game dinners, or other places where sports men and women gather. We have been invited to speak at events all over the country, and we absolutely love connecting with our fellow sportsmen and talking about how God changed our lives, not through religion, but through a personal relationship with Christ. If you want to know what that means, hit us up. We'll talk to you about it, uh, because we are not religious guys. And we stress that we are guys just like the rest of you. And we have found that when we are able to break through a lot of the religious fog that surrounds us, we are able to show the simplicity found in God's plan of salvation. If you have an event coming up and you need a speaker, we'd love to talk to you. You can connect with us on social media or on our Revelation Outdoors website, revelationoutdoors.com. Okay, let's get started. I loved this episode. Uh, my guest today has been on the podcast before, and I just, I really love and cherish our conversations because of the heart he has for the heritage and history of the sport that we love so much. Dustin Roddy of Catch River Farms and I talk about the progress he's made over the summer on several of his farms. Uh, we talk about moist soil management, and we also talk about how to identify and control one of the most invasive pests known to farmers and duck club managers, army worms. We hate army worms. I always, I learned so much, uh, and I always learn something new when Dustin and I get to chat. So without further ado, here is my friend, Dustin Roddy of Cache River Farms. Not a lot, Joey. Man, that sounded yep. like a depressing. <laughs> I, hey, I'm just glad to get the kinks worked out on this deal, man. <laughs> I thought it was going. I thought it was going to whip us for a minute. No, oh, man, it's never going to whip us. It's never going to whip us. Would you? Uh, what did you? So we were supposed to come up this coming weekend, but you got rain. Mm -hmm. um, what are you in the process of trying to to work because? When we the last time you were on, it it was flooding every place, um, and they had a bunch of people had too much water to plant. 
where are you as far as preparation? Is it are you behind yet, or is it not too much longer and you'll be behind? Um, man, we're we're pretty much on schedule, Joey. Um, we've got every all the food in the ground that we were going to put in the ground. You know, we ninety nine point nine percent of the stuff that we're doing is all you know we're planting. So, um, we're we're on schedule. Um the rivers are are below flood finally uh mm-hmm. it seems like now we're kind of turning the page so we've, we've checked our boxes on on everything we were going to plant <clears throat> now we're moving forward and we just need it to stop raining long enough that we can get some track hose in and, and do some work um i'm extremely pumped we've got a uh one of those nice big concealed comfort pits coming mm. uh, on its way from from uh chris and those guys and I'm, Dude, those are so nice. Yeah, I, I'm. <laughs> I've sat in pits before. That's not really a. I wouldn't consider that. That's a pit. It, That's hey, a, it, most of the traditional style pit blinds I've sat in, you feel like you're sitting in a metal, you know, sardine can. Yeah. These things are more like underground bunkers. Yeah. <clears throat> so uh, I'm. I'm For extremely, sure. Extremely excited about that. Now we just need to quit raining and and we can. So you can get it in the ground. Yes, sir. Yep. When you plant, what is your primary? So, two things. Number one, um, I want to talk about how you manage your timber spot. You know your 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 ecosystem or your areas for timber mm-hmm. versus your typical ag setup, like where you would put a pit blind, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Focus on your ag first. What's your primary food source that you're trying to get in the ground? And I mean, you said you checked your boxes. So Yeah, so this year we were – we had high hopes to be able to get corn in. Um, mm-hmm. That obviously didn't happen. The, the weather didn't cooperate. Our, our window kind of closed on us there. Um, we decided to, to go with a blend of some different types of, of millet. And what we were looking for was, uh, you know, obviously packing as much food as, as we could pack in per acre. But right. instead of just going with, you know, like a traditional Jap, brown top, proso, those smaller growing varieties of, of plant, we, we, actually, we, we went with, um, we mixed in some Chihuahua millet and also some sorghum Sudan grass. Mm-hmm. In, into our plots this year because I wanted something with a hardier stock that was going to be a taller growing variety that was going to provide thermal cover for those ducks that they yep. would you know feel comfortable using even if they weren't necessarily maybe on a on a feeding pattern they just no feel, it's good cover yeah they feel comfortable holding tight in those things and and um, which corn is great for corn is awesome for it. and and one of our one of, there's a older gentleman that that manages a farm across the road from us uh, specifically for ducks i lean on him a lot he was a uh, he's just been around this stuff for years and and you know those types of resources are invaluable one of the things that he went with last year they start they or they started doing a few years ago was they they used to do you know a, a different mix they would do uh, rice and they would do you know just a, just a number of different things last year he went all corn across the entire farm what he and, and what he found was the the blackbirds didn't mm-hmm. just go in there and wipe them out you know they'll they do some of the same stuff we do where they'll control water they may pump up this 40 over here but leave this 40 over here you know dry right right <clears throat> and um a lot of times those those blackbirds and and would move in so thick that it's like 
you know, shoot, we're going to have to lay the water to it now. The blackbirds are either going to eat us out or we can just go ahead and, and put the water on it and let the ducks ducks hammer it. And, and he didn't yeah. have that problem, um, you know, last year when he went, went all corn. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's uh, one of the things that um, I really don't know where I was going with that, to be honest with you. I kind of lost my <laughs> <of> thought. <laughs> Completely my brain just... <laughs> I'm talking went blank on where I was going. So we were talking about what do you primarily try to plant? You said you like corn, but you couldn't. It couldn't get it in this year, yeah. So, so like and I said, why, why? So why was that? Is it just, well, it just stayed it, too wet it, or it, you it couldn't stayed, auger? And... Yeah, it stayed too wet. It stayed too wet. And then when it got, you know, we could have probably went with a, um, a, 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 a like a dwarf corn or something with a shorter mm. maturation period, but. I, again, it has rained so much. I was afraid we were going to get halfway through, you know, yeah. the, those corn, the, that corn was going to start to come out of the ground. And, and then if it rained again, a lot of our stuff is, is I mean, corn just don't like to get their feet wet. And, mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, boy, you know, what does, have you that? fooled with, uh, have you fooled with, uh, Chufa any? I have not. <sighs> Dude, just for next year, just humor me and look into it. Like in your in your more shallow spots, like maybe around edges right. of wetlands, it makes a little tuber. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, you will see ducks shove their head. Like if you've got a spot that holds six to ten inches of water, you know, like out in the middle of your spots, it's naturally it's going to be a little bit deeper. But if right. you've got some some shallow areas. Mm-hmm. Like just especially some areas that you know, kind of stay wet and they don't they don't drain well. That chuf like you will see ducks. I mean, literally shove their head three inches in mud to pull these little tubers up. And I it's something I had almost forgotten about. We had some we had some spots in the Delta. A guy had a farm and he had um, Jap millet and a couple of other. Uh, he had buckwheat. He stopped planting buckwheat because a deer got in there and just tore it up. Um, but he had chufa around the edge. Oh my goodness, dude! Well, we we actually planted <clears throat> some buckwheat last year, and it I was extremely pleased with the. I mean, the ducks they seem to they seem to enjoy the buckwheat. Oh, they and, love it. Yeah, yeah. But like you said, if it, it's got to be a situation to where you can keep the other critters out of it. Yeah, yeah. Now, how how does your strategy change? If you can get into some of your timber areas, and do you try to plant those as well? You know, Joey, not really, and and this is the reason why, and it's specific to to the setup that we have. If I if I had, you know, there's some different uh, farms out there that are big timber tracks that yeah, if I if if, if we were managing those, we definitely would plant plant in there. Mm-hmm. But so much of our stuff, the controlled timber stuff, <clears throat> we have so much food around them. Yeah. That that. Um, uh, you know that we're leaving in the ground to house the ducks uh, you know when i don't know that i don't know that they would necessarily roll out of a big giant millet field to come eat a little no. bitty you know half acre hole in the woods of millet i, I think no, when, they're, no. when, they're, when they're coming into those woods <clears throat> and for our setup for our purposes um it's because they want to be in the trees yeah. um <clears throat> but um, and then, you know, like 
some of our units that are that are on the river I mean those are those are going to come and go as as the river comes and goes right so now how are you situated on blinds you got more going in we've got uh, more blinds going in um, I call them blinds but from what I saw they're like um, the river condos. Yeah, they're small, like duplexes. <laughs> we call them river <laughs> river condos. Yep, that's it. Uh, it's they're, they're comfortable. I'll put it like that. Man, what are you talking about? When you look, when you're measuring 16 inches on center and putting headers in over doors and windows, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's I, a different deal, man. I tell you what, the the building isn't the tough part. The tough part is getting the material to the building sites. That's the that's the oh, real man. kicker. I can only imagine because that's, uh, so is it, do you have access by ATV to get it close or do you have to come in by water? Well, so can you come in by water? Yeah. I don't know if you've, if I know that you've seen, um, one of the, uh, Instagram posts that we put up on cash river farms where we were building, building out one of those large blinds on their, their Mm -hmm. side of the river. So that particular blind we were able to get in there with a small Kubota tractor. We had to come along that tractor across a slough, which <laughs> took <laughs> definitely took some work. But having Dude, that tra- you gotta want it bad, man. <laughs> well, and the thing about it was that slough was about fifteen or twenty yards wide. Yeah. And it took us it took us a minute to to come along a Kubota tractor across a slough, but Man, once you have once you have it on the other side, it sure makes life so much easier. You you can you know dig in the the holes to set those big telephone poles in. You know now we've got a, a an auger hooked up to a PTO drive shaft instead of us having to you know dig them out by hand and and all that. So yeah. we we thought well we'll just we'll fight this thing across the slough. Once we get it across the slough, we'll be glad we did it. And we and it it definitely uh, helped us uh, you know expedite the process tremendously. Yeah, is that all finished? That one's all finished. Yep. Now the one that we're trying to get started on this year, um, we've got another one we're wanting to build. Um, it's going to be boat access only. So that one's mm. that one's going to be fun. We've got to have the river fall enough to where we're working on dry bank, but high enough to where we can float the material down the river and get it to the spot that we're going to build. So, how about you, a helicopter? Have you thought of that? No, I haven't. Well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. have i thought about it i've thought about a lot of stuff but uh yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how feasible if you've got if you've got access to one definitely definitely let me know because that that could be a big help yeah I, it's it's got a video camera on it's a little drone i don't think it's gonna carry much <laughs> you don't think we can get a bunch of no, i don't think brian's gonna let me hook up to any lumber and try and lift off with it yeah <laughs> so what's uh so you've got everything planted. Mm-hmm. You've got to get some equipment in to get your your pit blind in, mm-hmm. right? But you've got a couple of other areas that you were looking at that have just kind of been overgrown and neglected that you're working on too, right? Right. Yeah, we've got one. We've got one unit right now that um, needs some TLC in a big way. Um, mm. You know, it's it's just. It, it was farm ground that uh, hasn't been planted in, in about three years or so. Um, we're at that period to, or, or at the stage 
to where we've got to get it cleaned up now and we can still do it by you know bush hogging discs because it's not just completely um, gone but yeah if we wait any longer man another year or two and i don't know that a guy would be able to to do it right via tractor right. it's would probably be more like dozer and and uh mulching machines and and that kind of stuff so we're uh Here, that's, that's the next thing on the list is to tackle tackle that that farm and get it cleaned up yeah here's one of the things that um you know with with corn so back up and tell me what do you have in the ground now um we've got jap proso brown top mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. sorghum sudan grass chihuahua millet now not all that is is packed into one unit but but some right. type of combination of that is across the board on uh, you know in all all the the units that we've put food in the ground this year yeah so so one of the things i wanted to talk about is how and i talked about this on um the last podcast i did with shane olson you know, in Habitat mm -hmm. Solutions, we talked a lot about how the ducks' dietary needs change as their stress levels and weather changes and it starts to get cold. And sure. So what you talked about is awesome early, you know, when they're not quite as concerned with um, energy from calories, mm -hmm. um, you know, they're, they're comfortable. But when they start getting stressed and it gets colder, that's when they start looking for things that have a you know food source that has a higher caloric value right. for energy right which corn is is good you know one of the i was just looking at it before we got on you know what one of the best um one of the best sources of uh caloric you know percentages of caloric you know value for energy is smart weed mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so that's uh and it made me remember that spot i was telling you about he this one little corner of the field he had it was the field the spot itself was probably three and a half to four acres um completely smart weed you know it it, it looked like a big beautiful green wheat field mm -hmm. um then when that was finished that's when they turned the edges that's when they planted the edges with chufa mm -hmm. but dude when it got cold and now I realize why, but man, when it got cold, I mean, they would leave a millet field and hit that smart weed just like, and chufa just like, it was crazy. And now I know why, because they moved from invertebrates and the seed based, um, you know, like the jap mill, all the stuff mm -hmm. we're talking about to smart weed and chufa because it is so much higher in calories for energy in corn right so i was I, that's one thing i'm curious to see do you notice a change and maybe if you've had nothing but or you know primarily corn in years past probably wouldn't notice but I was just curious if that resonated with you at all. Like if that's something oh, that you yeah, consider. I, I, well, I think he's spot on. Um, uh, or, or you, you guys are exactly right on that. Uh, mm -hmm. Their dietary habits will definitely change depending on stress and, and weather. Um, and, and there's a lot of spots, Joey, where we'll have, you know, we'll have uh, 
smart weed growing in areas that predominantly stay wet in the mm-hmm. lower areas of our field we'll have smart weed coming in when it gets dry enough we come in there with a disc i go in and yeah. flag those areas and you yeah. know we're not we're not gonna turn the soil over in, in those areas even if we can get a disc in there to it so mm-hmm. I, I diversity is always good I, I believe whenever it comes to you know planning out oh, your, your buffet man. of duck food 100 percent. and if if you and i think a lot of i, I mean there was a point where it was new to me um but i think a lot of guys just think yeah we got we got corn or we got millet we're gonna kill them all year long or we got rice yeah. or we got you know what whatever yeah. but you're exactly right yeah and and rice while ducks will wet when they need energy rice is not where they're going mm-hmm. they're just and so i think if a lot of guys can spend just a little bit of time um educating themselves on how the needs the dietary needs of waterfowl change as temperatures change and if they can if they can have those types of food sources prepared i think you'll notice that you hold birds on your area a lot better and if you know how their dietary needs change and how that like if you can overlay that with weather patterns Mm-hmm. I, th- I think you can put yourself in a much better position to be more consistent. Right. I, I, I would agree with you 100%. Whereas just, and what you said, you know, a variety is great, but it's when do you, do you know when to leverage that variety? And do you know why variety is great? Not you, I'm talking about if you. In general, I, no, it, I, I'm picking, I'm, it, I'm following you. Yeah, if, if you consider, yeah, variety is good, okay, but why? The example I use is like when I go to the gym when we're finished, um, I'm I'm gonna eat more. You know, I'm gonna try and consume a few more carbs because I'm gonna burn those. But right. when I'm finished, I want some kind of protein to recover, rebuild. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And so it's it's the same with uh, it's the same with waterfowl. If you can, if you have a better idea of what their dietary needs are based on how the weather. Or how the weather impacts it. I'm going to get it out sooner or later. How the weather impacts their dietary needs. Mm-hmm. And if you can prepare for that, I think you'll start noticing. Then you can start fine-tuning, right? Because then you're not guessing. Now, now you have a controlled set of data. I'm a big data guy. So now you've got the data. You know what they do. You know what you have. And when you start seeing temperatures drop, temperature drops and ducks start to get stressed and one especially before they start their migration later in the season. And, um, and that was the exact thing that I was about to, to, to hit on is, to me, it's, it's just as important to make sure, or, you know, and, and look, in the grand scheme of things, if you take a, a map and lay it out of the state of Arkansas, you know, our stuff is just a little drop in the bucket compared to the overall footprint of where ducks house in the, in, in the state, right? But right. if, Whatever we can do to try to send those birds home as healthy as they can be, man. Yeah. And it's it's one of the reasons why I think you see a lot of snow geese that wipe out rice fields when they get here. But then when they get ready to start heading back, they switch almost always, always, they'll start hitting green wheat fields. Mm-hmm. It's, the, it's the same 
It's the same thing. They'll gorge themselves on rice and soybeans, rice and soybeans, you know, high in protein, Mm -hmm. but then they'll switch over to something like a green wheat field and roll it because the calories, they need that energy from calories. Right. And you don't get energy from protein. You get energy from calories. Right. And it all starts to just kind of click when you just stop and try to figure out why. And then once I know why, and you kind of know what the weather's going to do about when. I mean, you know it's going to be colder in January than it is in November, typically. Um, Then I think you can start to be a little more strategic about the areas that you have, what you plant, why you plant it there, and when you hunt it. Right. And, And then the other thing that's important that you allow to happen is you got to allow those ducks to imprint on an area right 100 percent. you, you got to let them feel comfortable um and and there's nothing that i enjoy more than going out to some of our areas after after duck season's over you can't go shoot them but just watching them pile into those areas yeah. In the back of my mind, I'm thinking they'll remember that spot next year. <laughs> oh yeah. If Mother Nature will push them down a little earlier, or you know, when they get when they get to this area, they'll they'll remember where they were where they were fat and happy at before they left to go back home. That's amazing, man. I mean, like I've heard um, that ducks will return to the same water hole where they were hatched. Mm-hmm. I can't find my way around the corner without a GPS sometimes. <laughs> But these these daggum things, like they'll know, not like in a general area. I'm talking about the waterhole. Yep. That's where they go back to. Yep. And it's just they didn't learn that. So uh, okay, it perfect is, example it, of evolution, or no, they they were created that way. Mm-hmm. They they didn't learn that over millions of years. They were created that way. How do you explain that? They were given an internal GPS system that's better than probably anything you were, or as good as anything you or I could go to the store and buy. And it don't need batteries. <laughs> You're exactly and right. And it's always got good coverage. It's always got full bars. <laughs> right. There's no dead spots. <laughs> yep. No. So what's uh, what's kind of what's what's next uh, for your areas? Um, you know, we talked about the blinds and everything you're trying to get in. But. You know, right now we're just, uh, the blinds are great, and, and, and those are, are definitely um, in the next up on the, or in the short future on our to-do list. But um, one of the main things that, that uh, my time's occupied with right now is is keeping an eye on the food sources that we have put in the ground, making sure that there's no discoloration on the leaves and that there's, a, you know, maybe a nitrogen deficiency. Do we need to, do we need to hit it with urea or, you know, make sure that we're checking and um, army worms haven't wiped out half the food plot. I mean, that, yeah, you know, I if, was you, gonna ask. if you let that sucker go, if you, if you, if you wait five, six, seven, ten days, I mean, if once army worms move in, brother, they can wipe you out. They can eat you out of house and home. It, it seems like almost overnight. And, and that's that, one of the reasons I, why I like putting stuff in the ground a little bit earlier. I know that like with, yeah. with the millet varieties, you, a lot of those things, man, you can get them in the ground here. First week of September, you're still, you know, going to be good. But I like to back that up a little ways, get it in the ground a little earlier, just in case we ha- we run into one of those type of situations where, for whatever reason, army worms or, or, or something mm-hmm. happens, water jumps across it, 
we still have a, a, a window of opportunity left to go back in, work the ground, and you know, disc it, and then go back in and and, and replant it. Um, yeah. So that's that's kind of on my my daily do to do you, list. Do you see the army worms are worse when it's dry and you get those cracks in the ground and is that kind of when they start to come out and do their thing? You know, or? I I would. I'll put it like this: Last year, army worms were a booger. The and 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 two years ago, they were they were bad. I, you know, uh, this year, I haven't. We haven't seen any signs hardly of army worms. I haven't heard any chatter from from some of the other land managers that I talk to locally. You know, here here around my area. You know they're not talking about um, seeing seeing army worms too bad. So I, I think that there's you're probably spot on with that. Um, yeah, the times the times that I remember having to well I didn't, but you know guys that I knew were especially doing moist soil stuff. Um, they got really bad when the ground was super dry and it started developing cracks, mm-hmm. and that's when those army worms came out. The, the years when it was a little bit wetter mm-hmm. or more wet, my English teacher may be listening. I don't want to say anything that's, you know, incorrect. <laughs> when it was more wet, um, typically the army worms was not, now you turn around, you might have to battle a fungus or something, but right. the, the army worms were not nearly as bad in the years where we had a little bit uh, more, more moist soil. Right. So I'm wondering if that's, I'll, I'll probably get a hundred emails that are telling me that I'm stupid and that's wrong, but I don't know. I just, but, I know when it's super dry, prepare for army worms. Cause you're going to have them. I, I'll tell you this, th- this is the stance I take on army worms. Cause I've, I've seen the, the destruction that they can cause and whether it's wet or whether it's dry, brother, I'm going to still keep an eye out for those, those, those things. Dude, they're so destructive. Man. <laughs> they can. They can tear you up in, in a... And they're, and they're so easy time. to control. I mm-hmm. mean, but you just... It's one of those things, man, where you just got to be vigilant and you got to stay on it. And wa- the guys that I know that um, have had the, the worst problem with them are the guys that are trying to work farms where they're not local. Right. And, and they can't drive by there every day or every other day to right. see what's going on. Yep. Um. And so that's that's the guys that were like really susceptible to them. Yep. They're if you if you them. drive by your farm on a Saturday, and go out there and check it, and there's no signs of of army worms, you let that thing go for a week. You come back the next Saturday, and half your food may be gone. I mean, literally, they can move in and just and boy, yeah. once they do, that's terrible. Mm-hmm. Now, what are you um, business wise? Are you uh, are you busy working with with clients? Because I'm I'm hoping maybe you got some calls from our our last podcast where some guys are interested or want more information. Are you starting to see yeah, an we uptick in some of that? Definitely have a, a, a yeah, absolutely. Of course, this time of year um, they're already easy, doing what they're going to do. Well, it's easy to keep yourself busy. Uh, yeah. there, there's, there's, but we definitely have other farms that we, we, you know, don't own, but we're, we're helping, you know, guide folks along in the process on, on mm-hmm. getting everything ready to go for, for the upcoming mm-hmm. season. So it's a, it's a busy time. I was, was over at a, um, uh, 
Plants Farm yesterday. Was that yesterday? The day before yesterday? My days run together now, Joey. But, I don't even uh, know what the day is. I think it's Thursday. <laughs> it's Thursday. Okay. Uh, but, you know, yeah, we were, you know, over there helping him get, get all, all his stuff ready to go. And, and um, so, yeah, we're, we're definitely staying busy on, on our stuff as well as, as some of the other, other farms here around the area that uh, other guys own. Yeah. I wonder how the rest of the country is faring because, like, when, you know, spring, when everything was so wet and everything was underwater and, I haven't really looked into like what does what does Kansas and Illinois and uh like South Dakota that was super super wet um and tip primarily corn, right? Um have you heard anything about you know a uh fewer acres in corn because of all the because of all the rain and all the flooding or I haven't kept up with it so I don't know. Well, <clears throat> the USDA released, you know, their August report, and um, there's been 19.4 million acres prevent planted across the Midwest. Okay. Now, so that, that is the most acres in the history since they've started keeping and, and doing reports on, you know, prevent planted acres. I'm, I'm okay. curious to see... What is that going to do? Because when I drive around our area, you know, here in Arkansas, the amount of ground that went unplanted this year, it, it's it's wild. I mean, you know, they're for our specific county, they're talking half of the amount of rice this year is in the ground as what there is on a, on a normal year. But you know, it's not that Arkansas wasn't. We weren't the only state that got hammered with with the wet weather. It it happened all the way up the, the Mississippi mm -hmm. Flyway. Um, I, I'm curious to see what kind of effect that's going to have on ducks. And yeah. then to, to, to take it one step further, what I see a lot of, of farmers do, um, and I, I completely understand, you know, a lot of guys, they're, they're in the business of farming. They're going to go in, you know. It's called the, crop insurance for a reason. Well, the, the, the thing that, that scares me is, or, or I guess scary might be a, bad word but but the, the thing that may concern me a little bit is when i see them out there right now there's they're already starting to go back in and work up some of this ground in preparation for next year and some of this mm -hmm. stuff you know i was talking to a farmer just the other day they had there, there's ground that they haven't had been able to to put a, a, a tractor on since october of last year so you know now they're going in and they're they're turning over the soil, getting everything prepped and, and ready to go for 2020 plant season. Yeah. But man, fields that are typically in rice aren't planted in anything. There would still be good natural vegetation, you know, your sprinkle tops, your barnyard grasses, th those kind of things yeah. that would grow up that ducks would would use. I think the 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 they're, they're going in and, and turning the ground over and, and now it's just going to be bare dirt. It, it, it's going to really not be good for a whole lot of, of anything. I'm just wondering how that, uh, how this wet weather, this wet weather pattern that we've had so far in 2019 is going to affect the overall, you know, yeah. um, situation. So, yeah. And my, so my thing is like when you said 19 point, whatever million mm -hmm. acres in corn. So 
Now yeah, that that yeah. that was that was not just for corn. That was that was just prevent planted acres. Okay, well the board. for anything, right? Right for anything. Mm-hmm. Um, just to put my cynical hat on, if I'm trying to think of how to say this without pissing everybody off, um, if and, and I don't know. So does crop insurance? If I say okay, it's just been too wet to plant. I can't plant. Do I still have a claim for crop insurance? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep, and that's that's what you'll. <clears throat> a lot of guys refer to it as PP or prevent planting, prevent mm-hmm. prevented planting coverage, mm-hmm. and that's simply when when the ground's too wet to, to get a crop in, then you can go and, and file a insurance claim if you you know okay. have the. Because I'm thinking if the only way that I get crop insurance is if my I have to put it in the ground and it failed, then I'm gonna I'm gonna do my best to plant as much as I can, even if I know the yield is going to be next to zero. You, you follow me? Like say that now, now say that so one if, more time. If, but what you just told me is contrary to what my cynical head just came up with. So it really doesn't matter. But I was thinking if I only have a crop insurance claim, if I planted mm-hmm. and it, the yield was poor, right? Mm-hmm. Um, then I would go ahead and plant and claim, you know, and, and report. Yeah, I planted it. I, I know it's not going to do anything, but I mainly planted it so that I would have a claim. But you're telling me that's not how it, how it actually works. So in order for you to claim prevent planted insurance, it has to it it has to be so wet that it prevented you from planting. Okay. So it's not like you planted it and then it got wet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then there's also, and, and I, so I'm speaking on something that I know just enough about to, to probably mess it up. Well, you know, a hundred percent more than me and I can still mess it up. So. But, but when you go in and you, it, you can say you can prevent plant rice. Okay. Yeah. Because the, the claim date on rice is, uh, I forget what it is. Say, say the end of June. Uh huh. But now let's say that it got dry enough. You go back in and back it, back that up and you plant soybeans. Well, it's going to take away from the amount of insurance that you could claim. Now it just comes down to an input versus return scenario right. for farmers, right? So is it, right. I mean, if we don't have to do anything, we can prevent plant and just collect this check. Does it really make sense for us to go back in and spend the money to put soybeans in the ground when they're trading, you know, at the prices that, that soybeans are trading at right now? Well, man, mm-hmm. uh, from what I've seen, a lot of them are saying that uh, doesn't make sense because they're not right. going back in and backing it up, but you know, soybeans behind it, but right, right, right. I'm just wondering how much of that stuff, whatever it was that got put in the ground is actually going to have a, you know, any kind of yield that's going to move the, the needle, move the needle. Yeah. yeah. I'm just, I mean, any every, everywhere you look across the Midwest, I think planting conditions were less than optimal. We can say that. Oh, yeah. And if that's the case, there's a lot of acreage planted that's just not going to do anything for migrating waterfowl. Yeah, and, you know, with the... Uh, that's my guess. I, and, and this is spinning off into a completely different direction. I just, I, I wonder with... with with 19 and a half million acres not being planted and then with the trade wars you know going on with china and and all this other stuff I, I, 
man, some, I just feel like some of the farmers are, are I feel bad for them, brother. They're, they're taking a beat. Yeah. yeah. Well, I had, um, I had Dave Bowen on from Southwoods mm-hmm. and he's a cotton farmer. Oh, I, I listened to that podcast. I was a, a he, wealth of knowledge from that guy. Yeah. He's, uh, he knows what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. And, um, like he was telling me, you, you know, with one tweet from the president, you know, you can have prices doing all kind of stupid things. And uh, he's fighting it just the same as, you know, a corn farmer or a soybean farmer or anything. Cotton's no different. It's commodity like anything else. Yep. And, uh, but he's, it, it's funny because he said, you know, I've got, he primarily relies on corn like like you that's his go-to you know because he he also guides throughout the year too so Mm -hmm. um and he's like man it's funny we can go work in one field and you're in there with the tractor and it's just a dust storm you go across the highway and you start making ruts when you get halfway through it right well it rains on one side of the road (laughs) you know i i think the we we farm but it's not for yield and not for harvest mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. so it's a but what what those guys are doing is, is completely different than than what we're doing i mean their their oh, liveli- yeah. livelihood you know it, it oh it's a different ball game it, it's dude. a completely different ball game man um completely different ball game so what else has been happening well we're sitting in august and yep. every year uh I think uh, a lot of guys, their their brains about this time of year, they, it switches from golf and and going to the lake to yeah. uh, to to purchasing duck property and and looking for for next year's hunting spot. And uh, so you know, I've been working with with guys that are you know showing them farms and trying to find them find them a track that they yeah want to be on and yeah. Do you have, um, and this is something else that, uh, that Shane said, he's, he's starting to get into a different vertical where you've got farmers that want to make their property more attractive to lease to hunters. Mm-hmm. So they don't hunt, they don't pick up a shotgun. They could care less about a duck or a goose, mm-hmm. but he is seeing an uptick in activity from these guys like hey the guy across the road leased his section for you know six thousand dollars how can i make how can i make my little piece of ground here worth six or seven thousand dollars to a couple of guys that want to shoot some ducks and geese right and there's a trade-off because you know they're they're anchored by farming so you can't take away from their farming practices if that makes sense but there is stuff that you can do to enhance um like you said make their ground more valuable to waterfowlers and 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 yeah absolutely man that that's um that that definitely definitely is something that that takes place here as well and and i would think in the years where like we were just talking about who can get stuff in the ground and who can't and farmers that that aren't really you know this year they've kind of written this year off Mm -hmm. man don't write it off all the way i mean there may be some things that now it's too late i think it's might be a little too late now or we're getting close to the window where it's too late but you know you may still be able to get some value out of that ground just in a way that you haven't 
thought of and it's by making it more attractive to waterfowl yep yeah yeah waterfowl and you know we're we're crazy so we see ducks putting their feet now we're going to want to get under them so and you know i think joey too you go back and look at oh i think it was what uh, six seven eight years ago uh, 2012 ish when soybeans were trading at 16 or 17 dollars a bushel and mm-hmm. you know i don't know that that they were as focused on the the waterfowl aspect of of uh income yeah uh, production but boy now with commodity prices where they're at it 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 makes sense because they've, they've got to they've got to make up for the for the difference somewhere yeah yeah well that yeah exactly that's what i'm saying mm-hmm. um and so it would it would seem that that's kind of a little niche if you definitely would that uh you know in the in the years where either with tariffs that are screwing with your profits or your margins or if it's weather that's screwing with your margins um you know guys like you guys like uh olson guys you know that may be able to come in and and save some of that for you i just i had never considered that until he's he said it and I was like, man, it actually makes a lot of sense. It does. And Shane, Shane, man, those guys do a, <clears throat> do a bang up job. Oh man. They yeah. do a really good job. I saw their little, uh, <laughs> I think it was a little video they had on Instagram, the little, little water scissors. They were right. Did you I, see had, that? I did see that. That, that was actually, <laughs> that was pretty cool. Like, man, I need that to cut my ditch in front of the house, dude. Can I use that? <laughs> <laughs> like the little shears, man. Yep, yep, yep. What the hell is that thing called? I don't know. Uh, uh, That's what I called it. I don't know. I, right. But it was cool. It was a neat, uh, a neat piece of equipment for sure. Um, let's see. So there's that. What? Uh, let's take kind of a fifty thousand foot view of the cash which is how you and i came to really start talking and become you know good friend i mean we talk a few times a week now what um what's your overview of the cash how's because you like you're so passionate about the cash river that whole ecosystem what are what are some of the things that you're seeing that are happening that are good and what are some of the things that you would like to see changed there's you know if we're talking about just the cash river system as a whole mm-hmm. i think the best thing that's happened to the system in the last 10 years was the game of fish taking the initiative to go back and try to reverse some of that channelization process that took place uh, way back when and and reverse that and actually reroute that the the lower end of the Cache River right before it dumps into the White River at Clarendon. Mm-hmm. Um, they actually went back in and, 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 and tried to reverse the, the effects of the, the channelization that, that had occurred by the, by the U.S. Corps of Engineers, um, yeah. which honestly, Joey, is in my opinion, probably the best thing that's happened to the Cache in the last, you know, forever. Well, um, what was that? What was that causing? So, people who may not have heard our first podcast are just tuning in now. Why was that such a detrimental move? 
well, intergalactically I mean, yeah, stupid so, thing to so do. So when, when they went in and, and, and originally started channelizing that lower portion of the Cache River, and their, their goal was to channelize the whole dang thing. I mean, that for was... What, for what purpose? To keep water and keep flooding and, and keep water out of those ag fields along right. the side of it. Um, you know, the, the, the farmers wanted them to, to make it a ditch so it would drain and wouldn't flood them out. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can understand where they were coming from, but by sure. the same, in the same breath, you know, uh, it was, it, it would have been, according to the studies from the U.S. Fish and Wildlife, it would have been the most detrimental project for waterfowl in North America. It had that channelization uh, process occurred all the way up that cash river system i mean you would you would just have a straight ditch uh, look, you get have on, an auxiliary channel right get through. on get on an aerial map and and look at that that the you can find where where cash river dumps into white river down around clarendon and you can see that sucker is straight as a board for yep. i think it's about seven miles um is, that, is how far they made it up that that channel and so uh, yeah, uh, th- them going back and, and having the the mindset of, of reversing the effects of, of that channelization process were, like I said, that's probably the best thing, in my opinion, that's happened in the last, mm-hmm. last good while. What are some of the things that need to happen to bring it back to, and I don't know if bring it back to its kind of heyday as a waterfowl, you know, just... And maybe maybe it is that, but what what are some of the other things that you think would be, like if if I can wave a magic wand and make it to where it was or to where I think it should be? Oh, um, uh, I, I would say that a lot of the um, below average farm ground that was cleared there along the edges of the river for farming mm-hmm. to see it reforested or or put back into to waterfowl, you know. Yeah something you know put back into habitat that would be beneficial for waterfowl that that would if i could change anything i would snap yeah. my fingers and and have you know 100 year old oak trees man <laughs> growing you know in those what? mud holes you know what i'm thinking as you said that um so my my most favorite place in the world to hunt is the mississippi delta so mm-hmm. you head up 55 get to jackson you know, you go up 49 till you get to around Satarsha, right? And if you watch the movie, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou?, that you should watch at least once a week. <laughs> um, that is where that story is set. But when you come down the bluff into Satarsha and you hit the flatlands of the Delta, like when you're going towards Rolling Fork and Myersville and all that stuff, and um, it is as flat as a board. And the only place that you see big stands of timber mm-hmm. is state or federally owned public ground that they weren't allowed to turn into cropland. Mm-hmm. And that tells you a story right there. Mm-hmm. Um, they're like, so I'd bring guys and they're like, well, where's the management area? Where's the refuge? Any place where you see a, a big stand of timber, like woods, mm-hmm. that's it. Yep. That's it. So everything between the Sunflower River, the Yazoo River, the Mississippi, from you know well north of Greenville, all the way down to around Vicksburg, really. Any place where there's a big stand of trees, 
you can bet that that's protected ground. That's where your that's where your conservation dollars went because we didn't have guys that were paying licenses and stamp fees and all this other stuff. That'd be turned under and it'd be crops. Yeah. So when you said that, that's what made me think that. Well, and and you got a lot of CRP programs that are bringing that back and. Right. Um, w- I WRP. Yeah, I was going to say I don't know that the the WRP is as um, prolific as CRP. Matter of fact, I know it's not. Um, what what do, what do you mean not as prolific? Well, uh, you don't see as much in at least where I was in WRP as you do CRP. Okay. See here in in our area, I would most of the time if I see a reforested track. In our area, it odds are if I was if I was just going to bet, I'd bet it was in WRP and not CRP. Hmm. Okay. Yep. Yeah, and where where I was, it was kind of just the opposite. Mm-hmm. Which is weird, but um. Yeah, I mean I, now CRP's hey, got to be funded. Here's the thing, though, Joey. Yeah. Is you don't have to you don't have to be enrolled in any type of program to go plant a tree. Uh. Uh-uh. Uh. And those things, you you want to leave a mark. Go plant a tree. It'll be here a long time after you're gone, my friend. Yeah, that's that's funny because I'm looking out the window of my studio where I am, and I found and this was 12, 15 years ago, I guess. I found a little white oak tree growing in the woods next to the house, mm-hmm. and so I, I dug it up and I put it in a pot, and I got it to you know I fertilized it and got it. It was growing, growing, and I put it in the ground. And I'm looking at it now outside my window and you can barely get your arms around the bottom of it. And I bet you it's 35 feet up mm-hmm. and I, you know, it's just, so it's just a tree. No, but I, when I found it, I could pull it out of the ground with my two fingers. Yep. And I will look at that until the day. I stopped breathing and reached room temperature and know that I put that tree. I pulled that tree out of some place where it was going to die. It was under a bunch of scraggly ass pine trees, which if I had my way, I wouldn't see a pine tree, but uh, <laughs> it's funny I you say it, that because I feel the same way. Oh. I mean, look, if you're managing upland habitat for certain Great. things that, that yes, pine trees have their place. I just don't like seeing them down where I'm at. <laughs> Man, I look because our house sits on two acres. When we bought this, we took 180 pine trees out, and there's still two or three that I would love to wake up and see gone. <laughs> uh, but I was like, man, you, you, you get rid of all your good trees. Let me tell you something, Dane. I can't think of a handful of things that a pine tree is good for except dropping pine needles, dropping pine cones. I got to pick up before I cut the grass, and mm-hmm. dropping sap on every daggum thing. Mm-hmm. Go park a truck or, it. Yeah, or it coming crashing through my roof during a storm or something like that. Well, I, I guess my biggest thing with pine trees is uh, I just don't see a whole lot of uh, I, I don't I don't see a whole lot of uh, wildlife that eating pine needles. And so Mm-mm. if I'm if I'm gonna have trees in there, let's I, I would rather have them mass produce and uh, beneficial for at you know. Only, you know what you know Deer, what eats them? Anything. Those stupid, those daggum tree rat gray squirrels that we got that drop crap all over the place too. <laughs> That's the only things that do. And then you got the pollen, mm-hmm. which 
it drives me bananas everything yellow so all right so what man it's i'm looking at the clock now it's an hour and i know isn't that crazy yeah what should guys be calling you for let's say hey man i'm looking for a farm i i, I want to move my operation i want a turnkey operation can they call you they can they can call um i mean we can do anything from set them up on a on a and help them develop a, a, a undeveloped piece of farm ground or, or a recreational mm -hmm. property to, you know, a, lo a lot of guys that I, that I work with Joey are, are, you know, looking for in investment grade farms that yeah. they're, they're concerned about return on investment right. just purely based off, you know, crop yields. Well, you know, we can, we can yeah. help them out yeah. that way too. So man, if it, if it, if it has to do with, with ground and in, in the Delta region of, of Arkansas, um, give us a shout and, and we'll, uh, we'll go to work for you. And what about, Hey, I'm not looking to, I'm not looking to buy a piece, but I'm looking for a place where three, four miles, I'm looking for a good lease. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm I, betting I, you know where there's some good ground. Right. So, so I talk to enough farmers uh, on a weekly basis, Joy, where I, I've, I've consistently have guys that, yeah, they they don't they're not interested in in selling or doing anything, but they will say, hey man, can you help me lease this or can you help me lease that? And and sure, we we can steer you in that direction too. I will I will preface that by saying that's not necessarily what I. I what we set out to do i mean mm -hmm. you know running a, a we're not a a, a a lease broker but right right obviously if you have enough conversations with landowners and with farmers it just naturally comes up and and there's always uh, guys looking to you know lease their ground or, or wanting help leasing their ground and they just don't know how to go about finding leases so uh, there are guys right that, well that's that's what i was going to say yeah. you that that activity for you is more of you're a conduit you would be a conduit right, 100 percent yep. connection with other people which right and uh, and, and i and i have i, I do have you know we, we do help guys lease lease some some of their ground and but but for me it's it's more i just want to marry the leasee to the landowner mm -hmm. and then and then from there it's 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 there. It's the leasing and the landowners uh, deal after that. So, um, but yeah, but there should be a fee for that for you. I mean, you're, you're saving somebody like me who doesn't have time to go drive around and knock on doors and talk to every single farmer. Right. Um, or, you know, if I'm a farmer, I don't have time to go put ads in papers and, and find, you know, guys that want to come hunt and everything else. So, it's it's all about the value you bring to both parties. Sure, sure. I, so, well, we can we can definitely help help out on that on that front too. Um, but like I said, it, that's not. Uh, yeah, yeah, I got you. I got you. What's uh, what's the weather supposed to do over the next four or five days? You got a read on that? Hmm. Yes, sir. <laughs> I, I actually do, uh, and I know that that you guys are you and Brian are trying to get one or both of you guys up here yeah yeah uh, we want to get up there in the next week as i just pulled up the weather app again on my phone and i'm looking um we're dry until sunday the 25th 
and then from Sunday the 25th until Thursday the 29th, rain, 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 and a little more rain. So 25th. So that let's see. Friday is the 23rd. Mm-hmm. So yeah, man, they're made because I'm with as much as I travel. I don't think I think I'm going to try and stay home for four days in a row. Which I haven't done in about six weeks. So, well, I'm gonna say this. I think that we can get, you know, we were talking about that piece of property mm-hmm. that we have to that we're gonna start cleaning yeah. up. Um, yeah. Our window for that, if even if we could get you know Brian up here um, in the next week, if we wait any longer, okay, it, that thing may be pushed another. Well, then, I, it's, I don't then know. it's, yeah, then we let it go any more and right. it ain't going to work. We'll take that one offline. So what, uh, you got any, any, any parting wisdom or thoughts? It doesn't have to be wise, by the way. It's just me. Oh, most of the stuff you that know? I, most of the stuff that I feed you is probably not, not, not or tell you is not the wisest. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's why I threw that in there. I wanted to make you feel better about it. <laughs> kind of fun. Uh, not really. Not really. Um, I, I think that we've kind of covered, hit, hit about all the topics of, uh, th- that I can think of. Well, I'm going to tell you, it sounds like you're in a, your operation is in a better place as far as weather and checklists and everything else than it was the first time we talked. Because when we talked the first time, it was like, uh, man, it, I don't know if we can get anything in the ground. Yeah. Well, I mean, man, when it comes to, to this type of stuff you can only control what you can control i was uh you but you're exactly right when we talked the, the first time it was uh i, 50, try, not, 50 I, I, try, I try not to get stressed out about it anymore it's hard not you to can't, sometimes man. but um I, I i am very pleased all things considered big picture i'm very pleased with where we're at right now oh, that's good so i think we're far enough we're 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 right where we we are sitting as well as we can be sitting, all things considered. I'll put it like that. Mm. Man, that's a whole lot better than the last time we talked. Uh, I feel a whole lot better than the last time we talked. <laughs> <laughs> you sound better, man. You, it's like you can breathe. Yeah, I can laugh a little bit. Yep, yep, yeah, yep. yeah. Yep. Well, let's. Uh, we will. Uh, we'll connect on the stuff we've been talking about offline and. Okay. Um, Again, you guys that are that are looking for farms, clubs, hunting property, to, or just investment property, um, not anybody better than I can think of in the Arkansas Delta than Dustin. So, man, I appreciate you jumping back on and uh, looking forward to seeing you soon. Hey, and, and listen, Joey, one thing I will say yeah. to, to kind of uh, uh, play off what, uh, uh, off that, there's a lot of good guys out there. You know, I, I've I, I work with right alongside, you know, with, with the guys from Habitat Land Company and, and mm-hmm. some of those different different uh, uh, organizations. That I mean, there, there's a lot of folks that, that do really, really good work. Um, I think the key is if you're going to spend money on something, is making sure that you that you're with, you know, that, that you have somebody um, that, that's knowledgeable about the area that you want to be in. Yeah, absolutely, man. So, uh, you know, if, if if someone called me and said, "Hey, man, I want to, I want to buy duck property in Oklahoma," 
and I would say, not your guy. <laughs> you oh, know? There's a guy named Shane Moulton. <laughs> right. You should over there. <laughs> there you go. No okay. doubt about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. No doubt about it. Well, let's uh, let's hook up in the next couple of days and make some plans. And um, again, I appreciate you coming on. Anytime, Joey. I enjoyed it, buddy. Thank you, Dustin, for jumping back on with me. Like I said, I always learn something new when you and I talk, and I cannot wait. It won't be long. I cannot wait till we get to share the bottom of a, a big tree and some flooded timber or a pit blind or one of your big old hotel blinds this year, just sitting around camp, um, getting to spend time with you. Really looking forward uh, to doing that this year. So thanks again for, uh, for jumping on with us. I always appreciate you. We'd also like to thank Edge, Duck Boats, Tahatsu, Outboard, Retail Shotguns, Apex Ammunition, Sitka Gear, and now Traeger Grills for supporting Passion and Pursuit for Revelation Outdoors. Waterfowl Ministry, without the help of these companies, we could not do what we do. So I humbly ask you, our listening audience, to support the companies that support us. We really, really appreciate it. Finally, don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave us a five-star rating wherever you listen. It helps us continue to keep climbing up the rankings. And if you wouldn't mind, please share the show with a hunting buddy. We really appreciate that, too. As I said, your support is showing, and it continues to show because we are still one of the top ten waterfowl podcasts on the interweb. So, again, thank you so much. Uh, Keep on listening. Keep on sharing. We love you guys. That's all the time we have. Until next episode, bye-bye, y'all.